All right, so let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the way you continually um, open your word up to us, and we just ask that those points of encouragement and truth that you would have released today would be spoken, and that your will would be accomplished in the midst of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So um, as I was praying about what to teach on, the Father brought to mind the scripture in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, um, that talks about pressing on toward the mark. And, um, you know, part of the impetus is when you lose somebody and it's like, oh, good, and then I get to teach this week. (laughs) And it's like, you know, but you can't really even look at it that way because the other aspect is, You just have to keep pressing on. I mean, it's not going to change who we are or how we do it, what we do, regardless of who it is. And so our job is to continue to press in to the Father um, in His ways. And so if you look at Philippians 3, I'll read it through once. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so the word we're looking at today is the word press. And it's dioko, koi, diokoi, yeah. I should have hit the little button that told me how to say it, but (laughs) which has to do with um, pursuing by implication to persecute, um, to follow after, to press forward. If you looked in Thayer's, it talks about to run or to flee, to flee or run swiftly to catch a person or thing, pursue in a hostile manner, to harass, trouble, or molest one, suffer persecution on account of something. And so when you're looking at the scripture in Philippians, we know that this was Paul talking to the saints in Philippi. And, you know, it's interesting because when he addresses them as brethren, that word actually has to do with an individual who is from the womb or um, like shared the womb. In other words, somebody who's been through the same process and been birthed into that walk of sonship with him. Um, And when he's saying he counts not himself to have apprehended The word for count there isn't like one, two, three. It's actually about taking an inventory. And so he, Paul, as the one who's teaching, had looked at his own walk and realized that he had not yet um, eagerly, because that word for apprehended is catalambano. So he had not yet eagerly taken hold of or had to oppose anything to the point that he could eagerly take hold of. and in, to, in regards to his relationship or his walk with the Father or with God. But he said, but this one thing I do, forgetting or neglecting those things which are behind. So in other words, you know, he wasn't, um, I guess if I read what I wrote, um, he, in that point, he was saying that Paul as their leader was telling them that he had to take inventory of his own walk and realized that he had not yet fully and eagerly taken hold of those things 
that would pose as an opposition to his walking in the full measure of his son. And, you know, that's evidence because he's talking about he's those things that previously he um, relied upon, those previous revelations aren't what he continued to focus on. In fact, he neglected those. He no longer pursued those with a passion, but rather he was looking forward and stretching himself forth to that which was on the horizon, that which the Father placed out before him. And in that, he pressed toward that mark. And so if you look at it from that aspect of he had to endure you know, persecutions. And the way I've written it down, I just said he was not depending on any previous revelations to help him walk in the full measure of a son who receives and understands the ongoing invitation to come into the new and fulfill the intended purpose of the Father. He recognized the necessity of continually pressing through those things that would be a harassment or um, something that would have troubled him in a hostile manner so that he could in essence, scout out and see what was on the horizon as a watchman and then be ready to move forward into that new thing. Um, And, you know, when you look at the word calling, that's the word klesis, which actually has to do with an invitation. So we have been invited by the Father to operate in this manner, knowing that in order to accept that invitation, there's this point of pressing that has to occur first knowing that we are going to be subject to these same points of um, hostile encounter or to the persecutions. And sometimes it could even be a good thing, but that it's something that presses on you to take your focus off of that horizon, off of the new thing the Father wants you to go into that could be a point of um, distraction, really. Um, And again, anything that, in essence, could take our perspective off of the goal of his righteous vision that would enable us to move forward even as Jesus did. Um, so, And we have to know, too, which I think we all do, but that as we move forward into the next new thing of the Father, he's going to continue to reveal that next new mark or horizon, because the word there when he says, I press toward the mark, the word for mark is scopos, and that's something that has been concealed or scouted out. It also has to do with a skeptic, so someone who looks at something um, from a perspective of, you know, questioning or minute detail, but that you're questioning to understand what that new thing is on the horizon that the Father needs you to scout out or to walk in. Um, If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, these next few scriptures give us other examples of things that we are directed to follow after or to endure the persecutions, to endure the um, things that would press upon us to keep us, well, yeah, in our pursuit. Um, And so it says, follow after agape. So dioiko, after charity. And desire, which means to be jealous over or to zealously affect 
spiritual gifts. Now, interestingly enough, when you look in Scripture, the word gifts isn't there. It just says spiritual. So we know that to be pneumaticos. So the things of the Spirit are what you should be willing to withstand any of the pressings that may come, any of the distractions, anything that would um, seek to, and in a hostile manner, because, you know, you think about something that's hostile, and sometimes you're inclined, well, I would think that, um, obviously, something aggressive, but it doesn't always have to be painful, although that doesn't mean it may not be, but, I mean, someone, you know, if the enemy is just trying to get your attention off something, it can be something that it's like an aggressive presentation of um, something that's not in line with the mark, in line with what the Father has shown you on the horizon that would just kind of quickly like yank your head and pull your attention. Um, and that, you know, if you are withstanding these things to pursue the agape, that passionate pursuit of the Father, that you're going then to desire those spiritual, the spiritual things. And it's interesting, too, because it says, but rather that ye may prophesy. That word for but rather, usually you would think, well, instead, you know, you want to prophesy. But it actually is the word malon, which has to do with in a greater degree. So, you know, when you are withstanding everything that may come against you to pursue his ways and his heart, and you are desiring to be filled with his spirit, then in a greater degree, you will be prophesying. You will be having that insight when you are at the right hand of the Father in these points of partnership, in intercession, that will allow you to speak his truth in a greater manner than what you were previously. And that's part of even pressing towards that mark or pressing through for his agape is in order to move forward really in grace to hit that mark, you have to, even those old understandings that, you know, previous revelation, be willing to totally abandon that to go for the new thing, but that it's essential to reach for that new thing so that once you get there, and I think, you know, Stacy taught on this in the past, so that you go from one horizon to the next, you know, as soon as you hit the horizon, you're looking forward for what the Father's bringing down the road, and that's that pressing for that mark. Um, yes, go ahead. Well, I was just thinking what we learned about prophecy, too, is that it's, it's really that point of continually dying. I mean, right. that's the heart, the essence of prophecy, is to be willing to die daily. And so that's, that's an aspect. That's what enables us to, to live it out in the way where, you know, our words become real. Right. And, you, and it's interesting because the dying daily, that aspect of the prophetic is, um, it's like it, this point of persecution, it's closely linked. And you'll see, you know, as we keep reading in scripture, it talks about that. Um, and so then in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, it says, I... oh yeah, it's at the bottom, sorry. Um, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after. So follow after is our word, righteousness, or that, you know, the perspective of the Father, that righteous vision. Follow after righteousness, godliness, which is also holiness, faith, so pistis, 
love, which is agape, patience, which we know to be that hupomeno, or remaining under that appointed place of abiding, meekness. Um, and prior to this, you know, he's talking to Timothy, which we know was, um, apprentice is the word that's coming to mind, but another young pastor that he was teaching or schooling. And they were talking about all the different things that could be a distraction within the church. And he's telling him, flee these things, but what you need to be willing to um, die to self for, to submit to the persecutions and the pressings that may come are these points, this point of having that righteous vision of the Father and being set apart and being at the right hand in agape. It all ties in with what we just read in 1 Corinthians. And it says, and fight the, a fight. And the word for fight there is agonosomai, which has to do to struggle, um, literally to compete for a prize, or figuratively to contend with an adversary. It is to labor fervently. Um, yeah, strive for the good. I'm sorry, to strive, I'm sorry because the scripture says, fight the good fight of faith. And so what it is, is you're literally struggling for what you have heard from the right hand of the Father for that to be released. And if I finish, I'll, let me finish reading. <laughs> um, and it says, fight the fight of faith, lay hold, or epilumbano. So the epi is that superimposition or to seize for help um, on eternal life, and that's that Zoe life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And the word for professed is homologio, so that's that, you know, covenanting together with the logos or with what God's original intent is. And the scripture made me think of um, when scripture talks about the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You know, as those who are withstanding the persecution, just that very statement, it would imply that it's not a passive act. But far be it for us to think that it is a passive stance where we just let the world happen around us. You know, it involves us staying in covenant with God's original intent and fervently striving or laboring or struggling to maintain that's what we have, that which we have heard from the right hand of the Father. And I know as sons, we understand that this is an act of relationship, but sometimes too, when you've withstood or you've pressed through once, you kind of feel like, oh good, you know, now there's time to just take a deep breath and relax. And it's like, no, this is an ongoing point of struggling and laboring that we have to participate in. Um, and yeah. So, just making sure I touched on. <laughs> hold of eternal life. Yeah. And again, and so there you have, and a good profession before many witnesses. Well, that word for witnesses is martyrs, you know. So, this is something that we do amongst other saints who have laid down their lives, you know, their own desires or ambitions, um, their own perspectives but also have joined in this walk. Like he said in Philippians, you know, brethren, those who have been 
birthed in the same process, those who have, um, what is the word I want? They've occupied the same place. Yes, yes. Have, yes, they've occupied the same place and committed themselves to withstanding whatever would press in on them. Um, and so then the next few scriptures have to do with the blessing of being persecuted, really, but I wrote it as the blessing of the pressing because press was the initial word I looked up and these were the variations. Yes. <laughs> um, so in Matthew 5, chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. He says, Blessed are they which are persecuted, and that's our word, Diego, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, blessed are those who withstand the hostile attacks, who withstand those things that would buffet your spirit man and your mind um, for the sake of maintaining the father's perspective, meaning not having, you know, not having our eyes focused on something else, but having our vision focused on what the father is, how he is viewing it. And it says, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile, which is the word onizo, or so that would be to defame or upbraid you, and persecute, which is our word dioko, you, and shall say all manner of evil, and so all manner means every or the whole of evil. And this word for evil, it's not um, kakos, it's paneros, which has to do um, with, a, it's hurtful in effect or in influence versus like being the character, it has to do with that actual influence. And it also means to um, diseased, especially morally, to be lewd. And it roots to a word called penes, pene, yeah, pene, pen, mm. Now, that one I did do the thing, but I think it's pene. Um, that has to do with to toil or starving um, against you falsely. And the word falsely is pseudomae, which is to utter an untruth and attempt to deceive by falsehood for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so this is where it ties in. It's like, the walk of the prophet is to be persecuted. And we know that we walk as sons in the prophetic. Um, but the other interesting thing in um, chapter or verse 12 is the word for be exceeding glad, that's just talking about to jump for joy, to leap or to spring up. But it says, for great is your reward. And that word for reward is misthos, which actually has to do like being paid for a service or um, wages. Um, so, you know, in the midst, you know, when you're going back to those who would revile you and say every manner of evil against you, um, you know, so you just think about society right now and some of the things that are said, it's, perspectives are morally corrupt and you could say it's a disease, you know, as far as just perspective. And that the way it's presented, it's almost like taking that stand for the righteous vision of the Father is what causes people to then take their twisted perspective and say, oh, well, because you have this perspective, you don't really love or you're bigoted or, 
you know, any number of things that they may put out there about those who are saying, this is what God wants. This is what I have seen at the right hand. This is what he is revealing to me moment by moment. And so I'm going to continue on this path. And they're going to make everything, they're going to say things to make you think that that path is as crooked as theirs that they're on. And that being said, um, they have been starved of any truth, which requires, you know, I was thinking it talks about to have to toil, that they're having to toil to try and come up with something that will, in essence, try to um, cause you to question that thing in which you've placed your hope. Because we know that from faith comes our hope. You know, our hope is what um, we trust God for what he's going to accomplish in alignment with that thing that he's shown us at his right hand. And so um, they're going to call that into question. And they're going to pursue you in a hostile manner, and they're going to cause others to question your character or defame you and attempt to deceive those who maybe have placed their trust in the truth of the words that you've spoken. You know, it's like when the Father takes you some, maybe to some of these other nations and he has you declare his word of truth, and then you have other, like it made me think of, you know, not that I was there, but just hearing about like in France, you know, initially the first time you guys went and you were there, you know, proclaiming sonship message, and then you had other ministers who came in and totally took the focus and moved it somewhere else as if to say, oh, that's not important. You know, what they're saying, that doesn't line up with what we're doing and try and just shift the whole focus. And that can happen anywhere. I mean, it can happen in any nation we go to. It can happen in any one-on-one conversations that you have with an individual that maybe you've had that opportunity to speak a word, a salient word of truth into someone's life. And it's kind of like the, the seed that was thrown in the soil and then the, you know, the prince of the power, the birds come and they scoop it up. If, um, if someone else can cause them to doubt the truth of the Father, that that is also not only something we have to withstand, but in teaching other people the point of pressing that that's the sort of thing they're going to have to withstand as well. Um, and, yeah, let me, sorry. And so then down when it talks about, you know, to rejoice and be exceeding glad, and that jumping for joy, that reminded me too of the idea of, you know, spring up a well within my soul, you know, just that, um, and it doesn't use the word chul, but, you know, to jump or leap. And it's almost like that um, dance of partnership, you know, but springing up within you, um, that our current work on this earth is an extension of the ongoing work that we're going to participate in in heaven. And that the abundance of pay or the payment for our wage is heaven. I mean, if you look at it that way, it's like the... Um, the parable of the husbandman and the laborers in the vineyard, and he paid the first man the same wages as the last, that's because that wage, what you have earned, is the kingdom of heaven. What you have earned is that ability to function in the kingdom of heaven because of how you withstood and functioned here on this earth. And so I didn't put it on your scripture sheet. I don't think I did. No. But the um, parable is found in Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. 
And I'm just going to read through really quick because it says, um, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. You know, and just now as, as I read that, I didn't look it up, but is that marketplace, is that ecclesia or the, um, no, what is it? What is the, the A, a gr- mm, what is the word for marketplace? But I mean, the marketplace is where the ecclesia functions, you know, and so it just made me think you can, as he's going out, you know, in the different hours of the day to look for laborers, you know, it's going to be even among agoria, agora. I knew it started with an A. (laughs) But the idea is, you know, the marketplace, again, that's where the commerce takes place. That's where as sons or the those who are responsible for guarding over the truths of the Father, and then really, you know, in a marketplace where you trade, you're the one who's dispensing that to people that you come into contact with, that you know, there are those who are standing idle. They're in the marketplace because they were there to learn, but maybe they hadn't moved forward, but the Father is still bringing them in to actually be a laborer, bringing them in so that they can inherit that kingdom of heaven. Um, all right. So in verse 4, And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire. The word hire there is the same word. That's the word reward or wages that is used in Matthew. Yes, used in Matthew in verse 12 when it says, for great is your reward. Same word, um, mythos, mythos. Um, Beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, they were hired And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. And again, this is all about the kingdom of heaven, you know. Obviously, and that's part of that, you know, continually to die to self as well, that we don't look at somebody who maybe, maybe they've heard the truth or they've been in the marketplace. They're hearing versions of truth kind of swirling around them, but they've not really committed. They've not, um, 
devoted themselves. And even if it comes down to that last hour before the father says, okay, now I'm coming to collect my own, that being um, not looking at them and, and thinking, well, I mean, that our desire should be that they would come in to that same inheritance that we have. Because ultimately, that's what we've been striving for, you know, that everybody that we share this message of sonship with would be able to walk in the same manner and to walk in the authority so that that partnership that started here on this earth is what would there would be a continuance of in heaven. You know, it's like it's all seamless. It's one and the same. So then, you know, guarding ourselves so that we're not judging that person because they came in at the last hour like, well, how have you deserved to come up to heaven? And it makes you wonder... And again, this may not be the end all other than it is related to the kingdom of heaven because you think about, because um, even now we operate in that capacity. You know, the, what's being done as heaven is done here on earth. And the reason I say that is because you wouldn't think that as you're actually going into heaven that you're going to be looking at the guy next to you going, well, hey, you just came in in the last 30 minutes. You can't be coming up here. But that it might be more of a, um, when we've stood and been persecuted and had to withstand and it's made the way for someone else to come in, which at that point they may not have withstood those persecutions, that you're not looking at them and thinking that somehow they deserve or they've not earned the authority. They've not earned the place to speak with the authority of the Father because they've not been through the same trials that you have. Because certainly they will have their own trials. But go ahead, Mom. That's all I was going to say. You hit, you hit it. The kingdom of heaven is here on earth. Right. Right. So it, it's basically it's not talking, the sweet by and by. Right. Yeah, it's talking about that. And I was looking at that exceeding glad and that that uh, springing up, and it's really joy or that rejoicing or joy. Right. That's that's all part of like kind of related to what Pastor was talking in his sermon last week about that mindset. Although he's referring it to Iami, Iomai, pronouncing it wrong. It, but it's that joy that wells up that mindset of knowing who you were created to be and why you were created to be here. Right. I mean, that's something nobody can take away. That's That's true. somebody, no, no one, that's something that can't be wrestled away from you. It's, it's ingrained in your mind, in your thinking, in your perspective. It influences everything you say and do. And so that's really is, is what allows you to bless people in the midst of persecuting persecution. There really is no other way to do it. I mean, you can say the words, Mm -hmm. but to really be able to do it is because you know that what they are doing or what they're saying against you really has no consequence. Right. No bearing on who you are or how you operate. Right. Right. It can't, I mean, they can maybe even kill your body, but it can't alter your spirit, your spirit that lives eternally. And so, um, I mean, because that's what's going to spring up from you, you yeah, know. that that's it. That's what wells up in the midst of of being persecuted, right? And that's why I know it's been said before. You know, Stephen could look up and not speak against those who were stoning him because he was still in commune. He was still in that point of partnership with the Father, even in the midst of that. And so, and it's what enabled Jesus to endure the cross. Yes, you know, and it's funny. I tried to listen to the teaching. I went on Spotify because that's what I can pull up. And the last teaching it brought up from a Sunday was July 17th. I couldn't get the most recent. I, if I'd gone to the website, I probably could have found it. But sorry. But some, thank you. <laughs> well, this, uh, these guys that were hired, um, they weren't being paid for performance. 
they're being paid for their position. And accepting the position was the greater um, uh, worth that right. they had rather than the amount of work they did. Right. And so, you know, that's basically the concept is when we accept the position, we, we receive all that that position has because in that position there's a demand on us that can only be supplied by God. Right. And so we, we go in knowing that that supply is there. So he's talking about the supply that um, enables them to um, be in that place of hire rather than as being the ones who are, are uh, measured for their work that they do. Right. And it comes back to who you are and your identity in that point of relationship versus how much I've done in it, like you said. Um, and it was, you know, when I had the bottom here, um, you know, I was thinking too, you know, and this is also why Jesus would say that we would do greater things because um, he knew the Father had new marks on the horizon for us to partner with him as sons that would require standing in the face of persecutions and continually watching. But it's almost like you have to have yourself there, elsewise you can disqualify yourself with like bitter complainings. Again, if you're looking at it for what you've done and not for who you are, that you've accepted that position, that then you would be inclined, kind of like Moses, you know, when he started to rail against the people because of what they were doing versus continuing to stand and just and who he was and the directive the Father had given him, that it's like he disqualified himself from going into the promised land. And certainly, we don't ever want to disqualify ourselves from being able to move with the Father and that next and that new capacity or into the new place where he needs us to declare his truth because we've had our vision <laughs> taken off and put on what is or isn't being done around us versus on who we are and just the joy of being able to function in the fullness of who we are. So, which takes us to Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45. These next couple scriptures, I just labeled under how we respond to the pressing of the enemy. Because as we know, even as, um, you know, the Father allows things to happen for our growth, that the enemy is always going to be pressing as well. Um, so it says, well, okay, yeah. In verse 43, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless, or eulogio, them that curse you, do good, or kalos, to them that hate, which is the word misos, so that means to test or persecute you, and pray, so persukamai, persukamai, um, for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And the word persecute there is our dioko. That you may be, and the word for be is genomae, the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil, which is actually that word poneros, um, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And so... You know, in this, 
our response to those who would bring the persecution, our response to um, those who would be, because the word for enemy is those who are hateful or odious, hostile, is to speak the foundational words of purpose over their life. You know, that's that eulogio. Um, and when it says to do good, in other words, to, you know, the Father's purpose and intent, that that is how we, the perspective through which we interact with them. And that when we are supplicating, or the persukomai, we're supplicating for that which the Father wants to move them forward in, that his will will be done or accomplished in their lives. And this is what you're, this is what we are to do specifically for those who despitefully use us, meaning they threaten us, they falsely accuse or slander us, and those who hostily attack us, you know, or approach us with hostility, that word for persecute again. And this allows us to be the genomia, so the fulfillment of identity as God has intended from the beginning of time. To be the children of the Father which is in heaven. And and you realize, um, you know, because again, with the sun rising, with the rain, with his point of provision, he's going to do that even for those who are functioning in this, under this hurtful influence or with this diseased mind because ultimately the point is that they would experience that restoration as well, that they would, even if they're in the 11th hour, that they would know this same identity, that they would be able to operate um, fully as sons. And so then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 12. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was thinking about the rain on the just and the unjust. Is it really speaks of um, the, the habitation and the choice that, that each has in the same situation. I mean, you don't, you don't get special privilege because you've chosen this. Right. You, know, uh, you, you don't lose privilege because you've chosen this. It's, it's about God's, um, uh, his environment that he creates that allows us to choose one way or the other without uh, prejudice. It, it is, he, he offers us, he gives us what we need, and we have to choose what we do with it. Right, exactly. And so in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, it says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, this is our word, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So this is our martyrion. This is our dying daily. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. You know, and again, it's just that same, it's that perspective of you're looking at 
what is happening around you and you're realizing that need to continually die so that what is coming forth, what is bubbling up from you is from that identity, from the joy and the identity of who you are. That it's not, um, because, I mean, that was how Jesus operated and that's why he died so we could function in this manner. Um, yeah, and that's what we carry around, that perspective, because Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. You know, any agenda he could have had, he continually laid down, you know, or even any agenda that was suggested by his disciples, Lord, why don't you just make yourself known? You know, why do you hold back? Or, you know, even when Peter cut the ear off and you realize that, and the form of persecution in the sense of that was like a hostile um, Attack is not the word I want, but like a hostile presentation of a different way to accomplish, you know, what they felt like God wanted versus keeping his eye on the mark, you know, pressing in for the calling. So, and again, if Jesus underwent that, we have to know that we are too as sons. So to anticipate there are going to be those things that will, even if with good intent, will try to cause you to not operate from that point of that station, your identity, versus, you know, operate because of what's going on around you. Um, all right. And then, um, you know, the last thing I had was our declaration of persecution. There was another scripture I had in between, because otherwise we're going to end early, which may not be bad, but... <laughs> Um, I'll read this other one just because it reminded me, you know, as we were driving here and I was praying, that the perspective in Luke, which I didn't put on your sheet, it's Luke 17, verses 20 through 26, and it's talking about the Pharisees. You know, it was an example of individuals who had their, their perspective on their worth coming from what was going on around them or how they had built things up versus on who they had been called to be or that identity. Kind of like, again, in the vineyard, they were looking and going, well, who are you to even be able to know or understand Scripture because you've not been through what we have? You know, you've not been vetted in the law. Um, and it starts in verse 20 in chapter 17. And it says, And when he was demanded, and this is Jesus, of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. So meaning it wasn't the word for um, observation. I didn't write it down, but I believe it was Ido. So, you know, through just like passive being able to, oh, look, here it comes sort of thing. Um, Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And this is what we were just saying. You know, the kingdom of God isn't in the sweet by and by. It's how we operate now, you know, and again, I, I know we know these things, but it's keeping that perspective that when the pressing is coming, that we remember when those persecutions come, that we are operating in the kingdom of heaven as representatives, even in this moment, it is here, you know, it's not something that, um, I mean, it is to come, but that's a continuation. Um, but he says it's within you, and he said unto the disciples, these Day, or the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. 
And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them nor follow. And this is the word dioko. So, you know, persecute them, meaning don't, you know, those other um, teachings that would come up, don't make that the thing that you withstand really in that perspective, that persecution of your identity. You know, don't, it's kind of like I saw it as a reverse in the sense of, you know, in relationship to God, we're enduring the persecutions of those who aren't aligned to stand for the righteous vision. But in this case, you don't want to allow who you are to have that be, um, well, to persecute that so that you can pursue these other perspectives, meaning, whoa, look here, this is what you should be following or this new truth. I know, I think Pastor Ron has talked in some of his teachings about, you know, these ideas that people put out recently, these other teachings where they're saying that scripture is um, invalid or, you know, the way it was written that it's just another man. And so this writing of this other guy is equal with where scripture is. You know, that people are going to say, well, in this, can't you see, you know, how the kingdom, quote, is coming, and that you would then suffer your stance to be diminished or to be, um, well, to allow yourself to be disqualified. I don't know if I'm saying that well, but um, because he's saying, you know, don't follow after them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part of heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be, or so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. And again, because I waffled back and forth, I didn't look up, you know, the days of the Son of Man as far as, um, do you have that on yours, Mom? The days of the Son of Man or? I'm so, Luke. Oh, sorry. Luke 17, 20 through 26. Um, and it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Well, I was thinking days of the Son of Man. Does it give you of the Son of Man? Is it? No. Well, then again, you know, I think it's just the perspective. As it was in Noah's day where you had the Nephilim, so, you know, mating with women to try and create soulless creatures or spiritless beings, rather, you know, the days of the Son of Man, if you look at it, if I'm interpreting correctly, you know, the Son of Man not, um, meaning those who pattern themselves after just man in general, you know, not after God, but who would pattern themselves and not have any inkling or leaning to be led by the Spirit or to have their spirit man developed or understand or walk in that identity. That, you know, that is our time frame now that we're in. But knowing that that's going to happen, we don't want to um, allow ourselves to be persecuted for those things. That isn't what we should be ardently standing for or withstanding um, things that people would throw at us in order to stand up for that. But now that I've thoroughly confused that, let's go to 2 Timothy. <laughs> Chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. 
And um, I just wrote this, our declaration of persecution, because of what Paul says at the end. But I'll read it first. And it says, Persecutions, afflictions which, come, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yay. <laughs> Yay, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This was his declaration. If you're going to live a godly life, if you're going to live as a son, you are going to suffer persecutions. Um, and it's interesting because that top word, you know, the word is diagomos, diagomos, which is the word persecution, and then it just says from dioiko. So essentially, it's the same thing. Um, but... So when you look and it and he said, um, I endured, that's that hoopo pharaoh. So to bear underneath or to carry, he says, but the Lord delivered him. And that word for delivered there is just through the idea of a current or a rush to draw for oneself. Um, and when he goes on to say, and all that will live, that word for live, it's not Zoe, it's actually Zeo, which means lively or quick. And to live godly, you know, godly is to be reverent or devout. So all who move in a lively fashion to be quick to devote themselves to the walk of a son shall have to stand in the face of being pursued in a hostile manner. And yet in this we rejoice, for we know not only do we find life here, but we inherit the kingdom of our God as a result of the pressing. And um, that was all I had. Um, going back to the Second Corinthians one, mm-hmm. I thought that that was kind of interesting how it was giving, it was kind of the first sentence or first two sentences were about what, what things appear to be, what things feel like, what they look like in the right. natural as opposed to what the reality of they really are in the spiritual. Right. And that's a good point because he's saying we're troubled, but you're not distressed. And yeah, I don't... That's your pre- it really, that's another word for pressing. Okay. It, you're being pressed hard on every side, it, you know, so you're feeling that narrowing, but your spirit is not distressed. It's not in a narrow place. Right, because you know, it's free. <laughs> your mind may feel crushed, and your, your body may feel like everything's pressing in, but your spirit is free in that. We're perplexed. We may, we may appear to be without resources, but we are never destitute of resources, never, you know. We're, we're persecuted that being pursued in right. a hostile way, but we are never abandoned. You know, it, you can only know this if you know your identity. Right. You know, you can only really function in this if you know your, your real identity. We're cast down. We're, we're made to, you know, like put in this lower place, depressed and made to feel like we are nothing, and, and yet we're never rendered useless. And it reminds me of what I told Robin like several months ago, I said, you know, the one thing that can never be taken from you is your ability to pray. Right. Your body may wither. What I don't know what God has planned. And this is for all of us. You know, your, your body may not continue to function in the way you want it to, but, but no one can ever take your identity of being an intercessor and of, of sitting here and praying. Absolutely. And it was interesting you say that because there were, you know, we got to see Robin a couple days before. And 
one of the things he just had me kind of speak over her before we left was along the same lines, you know, just in regard to, and I didn't know you, if you had a conversation, I didn't remember if you had told me, but the point just being that, you know, you may be physically feeling weak, but spiritually your spirit man is very alive. And when you can't sleep and you're being woken in the middle of the night, he's got you on those watchman hours, you know, to be an intercession. And even that last day when she did pass that, you know, going back to Stephen, the father just showed me Robin like Stephen, you know, that even though she was getting those waves of pain, even though her body felt (laughs) distressed and it was feeling whatever, that she was looking up to heaven and still in that point of partnership. So it's like when she did pass on, it was just a continuation of what she had been functioning in all along, you know. And so regardless, didn't get till the end, (laughs) regardless of what may happen, again, like you said in Corinthians, you know, and that's even Paul was saying, I suffered all these things and yet the Lord delivered me out of them all. You know, it may feel like you were in a destitute of destitute places and that your physical strength feels like it's gone, but that spirit man, your spirit man is always alive. And because of how we continually invest and nurture it through our intercession, through our study of the word, that it just makes it more lively and more active so that even if we are in a place where we can't do anything physically, we are still operating on behalf of the kingdom of the Father all the time (laughs) and in great authority and in great strength and in great points of provision. And I think the greatest provision is probably even just mentally and emotionally not feeling overcome by what you see, to be able to stand in the confidence and know, eh, it's going to happen, but it's not changing who I am or how I'm functioning. And so it almost just makes it like you kind of hear it. You feel like you're hearing about it. Oh, it's happening. Yep, there's all this craziness with our government and our leaders going over to other countries and all this other stuff. And yet, all the more that you do, you have that joy and you just feel enlivened in your spirit because you know that you're functioning in that place. So, thank you, Lord. <laughs>